This is the Exxon Radio TV show with Rob McConnell on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you have a question for Rob McConnell or his guest, or if you've had a paranormal experience, call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 0, or email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, our one address is TV. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. disease that you would like to alleviate through a natural means? Have you been contacted by angels, ghosts, or even extraterrestrials and want to validate these experiences? Or would you simply like to speak with someone who can help you find your life's purpose? I'm Dr. Joseph Mara, and I'm offering my services free of charge for first-time clients contacting me during the month of April. These free consultations include angel card readings, guided meditations, life coaching, and energy healing. If you have always wanted to explore these types of experiences but were skeptical or simply could not afford them, then take advantage of this free special offer. Contact me through my website, aguidinglight, spelled L-I-T-E, dot com, to schedule your consultation today. Until then, I offer you love, light, and laughter. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzone-radio.com. The X-Zone Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. I'd like to welcome all the affiliates who are now joining us here live on the Talkstar Radio Network. one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. And our websites, www.exxonradio.com and www.exxonetv.com. My guest this hour is Bill Nell. He is a paranormal researcher with almost 40 years of experience, a popular speaker, writer, and consultant. Bill has broken uh, college program attendance records, writing hundreds of articles, and has been a consultant to major Hollywood films, including Independence Day, Men in Black, Men in Black 2, The Fifth Element, and World of the Worlds. Bill became interested in UFOs after hearing from former military pilots about encounters with objects of unknown origin. These conversations took place with his father, a retired Air Force officer. Bill's father served on General MacArthur's staff during World War II and helped prepare a report on Foo Fighter sightings requested by the general. When it was completed, the report was over 10,000 pages long and still remains classified. And Bill Nell, welcome to the Exxon. How are you this evening, Bill? Thanks, Rob. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Great. Thank you. And uh, thanks very much for joining us tonight here on the X-Zone. Uh, Bill, UFOs, big uh, big topic these days. We had Stevensville sighting. We had about the 63rd anniversary uh, or 64th anniversary of Roswell a couple of weeks ago. Why are UFOs still such a hot topic? Well, I think it's because they don't stop. You know, one of the great things about uh, looking at the UFO phenomenon and investigating it is that UFOs do the same thing here that they do where you are, that they do in other places around the world, and they've been doing the same things, it seems like, for thousands of years. They haven't really changed that much. And um, I think it's the frequency of the visitation and probably our ability to notice them more because, you know, now we have the Internet, so, uh, you know, shows like yours that uh, allow people to get that information about them so fast, you know. And uh, now if there's a sighting in some obscure place, uh, there's a much better chance of hearing about it, you know, very, first of all, hearing about it and hearing about it very fast. Uh, so I think that what's going on with the UFOs is they're, it seems like they're making themselves known to us a lot more than they did years ago. I think it started probably about 20 or 30 years ago and then worked uh, up to things like the Phoenix Lights and more recently Stevensville sightings. Um, I'm in Indiana and we've had a lot of sightings here. You know, it's just, it seems to be a growing phenomenon and uh, not changing, but just more frequently. Uh, there's a lot more sightings of the lights. There's a lot more interaction. Um, I find it interesting because, you know, over the last few years, we've had a lot of encounters with the military. The Stevensville thing was interesting because when that first happened, I got a call from a friend of mine who used to work um, 
with the refit of F-16s. And um, he was not a military officer or person directly involved with the military, but he was a basically a, worked for a defense contractor. And he had told me something very interesting. He said, you know, I was reading all this stuff about Stephensville, and I noticed that there were reports of all these F-16s in the air and some of them using afterburners. He said, look, I, I've worked with the refit on these things for like 15 years, and I've seen a lot of training missions and missions testing the new hardware and software, and I can tell you they would never have that many aircraft in the air at one time unless something big was going on. For All right, example, Bill, stand by. We've got to take a commercial break. Bill Mills, sure. our special guest, www.ufoguy.com. We'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues right here on the Talk Star Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone. Bill Nell is our special guest, www.ufoguy.com. Bill, before we went to the break, we were talking about a friend of yours who is uh, in the military refitting F-16s. And uh, he basically said that it, w it was a non-military maneuver that they were talking about unless they were after something quite big or quite uh, well, this unknown. Is, well, basically what he was saying was that um, they would never have that many you know, F-16s up in the air unless something happened. And he pointed out something that I hadn't even really noticed. He said, have you looked at the map where Erath County is? I said, no. He said, look at the Texas map. And he said, you will see that nearby is the Bush Ranch, you know, the mm -hmm. Western White House. That's right. And he said, you know, that's restricted air base, uh, airspace, whether the presence there or not. And he said, if you follow some of the stories about where people said these objects were appearing, where they seemed to be coming from, he said, I believe some of them may have, uh, in fact, violated that airspace, and that may have been the reason for the scrambling of so many F-16s. And sure enough, I was really impressed recently when um, the radar findings proved that, in fact, at least one of those objects had undoubtedly uh, violated the Bush airspace. I understand Miofon is coming out with a press release or a press conference on July 26th. Well, I think that's probably, I think what's happening is a lot of people were really disappointed with their first report. And, mm -hmm. you know, I understand it's tough to, you know, investigate these things because they were depending primarily on the sighting reports that people filled out, you know. But I know that even Angela Joyner, who has that wonderful website, StephenvilleLights.com, she had went and, um, you know, made some complaints because basically it seemed like they went just by the sighting reports and really none of the other information. And, of course, you know, when you just go by that and you don't really – look at what the military was doing and everybody else was doing. You have a very limited amount of information. Exactly. I think that they said these were stars, moons, planets, you know, all kinds of crazy things. And, uh, you know, in reality, that didn't seem to, to, from my perspective, as a UFO investigator with 40 years of experience, you know, um, it didn't look like that to me. It seemed like there were some credible uh, sightings by trained observers, including a pilot who said that he saw these objects being chased uh, by uh, military aircraft, you know, when you take it all together, you have to say this is a high this case. All right, let's go to our phones. We have David in Ottawa joining us now. David listens to us on AM 580 CFRA. Hello, David. Yes, good evening, and good evening to your guests. You're going to have to speak louder, David, please. Okay, that's what I just was asking your producer, if I can. Is it okay? Is the audio clear now? Everything's fine. What's your question, please, David? Okay, the question is, is that... <clears throat> 
You know, <clears throat> UFOs has always been what it stands for. It's called an unidentified flying object. Mm-hmm. And what that means is usually in our neck of the woods, we have to fly planes, we have to do things, and they're unidentified for top security reasons. Now, we're not talking about things from Mars or, or Saturn. We're talking about things from Earth that have to do with national security that the rest of the world, <clears throat> frankly, <clears throat> is not going to know about. How do you think of that, Mr. Guest? Well, I think that's a very good point. I mean, a point well taken. You know, not everything we see in the sky is an alien spaceship. I think what happens is that some things are indeed uh, represent cases of high strangeness. I mean, you think about it, just in the last several days, we've had uh, one of the 12 men that walked on the moon, you know, Edgar Mitchell, come out and say, look, uh, not only do I believe that UFOs are alien spacecraft, but I know they are because NASA told me they were. And, in fact, there are aliens, and they are little guys, just like we see on television, and uh, this is a man with three earned doctorates, including a doctorate from MIT, you know, a man who set a record, uh, the longest moonwalk ever, nine and a half hours on the moon, 33 hours in total. Uh, so, you know, this is someone who knows what he's talking about and says, well, you know, I can say that uh, he took a picture uh, of a UFO during the Apollo 14 flight. In fact, he reestablished the credibility of NASA after the horrible Apollo 13 disaster. He went on the very next mission, Apollo 14, set records and came back, you know, safe and sound. So, you know, he's a credible person, and he's saying that the government is, in fact, covering up information on UFOs. Of course, NASA's response is, we don't track these things, we don't know what he's talking about, and we disagree with him. But you know what? In all fairness, uh, Edgar Mitchell has been one of the most highest-profiled uh, members of the Apollo mission team that has uh, that has always been in the forefront. Whether it's uh, you know doing experimentations uh, of ESP on the moon back to Earth, or whether it's talking about the government conspiracy. If in fact NASA did know all this information and there was a conspiracy and a cover-up, wouldn't more astronauts be talking about it? I don't think so because you know uh, the astronauts I've met, and I've I actually did a show years ago. Uh, Sally, Jesse Raphael show with um, Edgar Mitchell, and I've done shows with some of the other astronauts. I can tell you that for the most part, uh, they will say that, in fact, they don't know what UFOs are. They're very vague about it. You don't like talking much about it. I still think there's a code of silence. I mean, look at it this way. Why did the United States General Services Administration, which supplies, you know, every government agency and does audits of their, uh, of how they act and what they do, they called NASA the most deceptive government agency in the entire country. Now, how can that be? We're always thinking the CIA's lying, everybody, mm-hmm. but yet they're calling NASA the most deceptive government agency. That, that's just not right. Okay. So maybe I can step in. Sure. Go ahead, David. Okay. And, and say, then because... Because I feel that is so not true, because so many, like, semi-generations, and semi-generations, what I mean by that is people who have their half-lives never to see that on TV. Like, we've always wanted to see the man go on the moon, when the man left off on the moon. And so many people died in between the interim in the meantime. This is... This is, how can we explain this? 
I am sorry, David. I, 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 I can't understand your point. It's like, how can we explain in the meantime is what's happening in the real time? In the in, in meantime, it's like we miss. What did we miss? Or why are we missing anything? Or is it all just... So, so basically you're asking if it's real or if it's all smoke and mirrors. That's it. Bill. Well, from my standpoint, I've been primarily interested in things like physical evidence. For example, I worked on a case where a gentleman was driving his car 60 miles from New York City, and his car uh, UFO appeared above his car. This is in um, in a uh, Montauk Highway, and his car was lifted off the road by a UFO. He was returned some 12 hours uh, after that without his car, found to be suffering from ionizing radiation. You can't get that just walking down the street. Importantly, his car was found three days later in a tree. Um, you know, this is a case with a lot of witnesses. People saw it, thousands mm-hmm. of people, um, and yet it was a non-event. Uh, there's a lot of non-events like that. When I was a kid, a UFO hovered above a town pool in the town that I lived in, uh, so much so that FBI agents came around asking people about it in the neighborhood, and yet that was a non-event that never even made the evening news, you know. Changed the color of the water, caused the closing of the uh, pool for 24 hours. All these things are events, and yet they're not events because the government says, well, you know what, it never happened, or, well, you know, some government project got loose from somewhere and did it. You know, they always have an explanation uh, for these things. Bill, why do, you, why do you think there's the suppression of information when it comes to UFOs, the cover-up? Well, I believe that the government's scared of uh, public reaction to UFOs. I think they've always had that attitude. You know, uh, our you know, our policy towards uh, citizens has been for almost 100 years the same policy that uh, British intelligence worked on. They basically said, look, if the public doesn't need to know, don't tell them, because if we keep secrets from the public, we're also keeping them from our enemies, so the end result is good. But, of course, in most cases, the end result's really not so good, mm-hmm. because then it causes a lot of distrust among the public, uh, you know, with the government. And anyway, how, you know, I've often thought, how can the government tell people about UFOs? Uh, what would they say? Well, we've got these things flying around, violating airspace, potentially abducting people, and there's nothing we could do about it. You know, I think that uh, because they can't do much about it, they're concerned about public reaction to that fact. Well, isn't it, wouldn't it be better for the government to admit that they're there and let the public know that the government is aware and that they are doing whatever they can to to protect the the citizenry? Oh, absolutely. I'm for full disclosure. Yeah. I mean, I think they're making a huge mistake because they're also letting a lot of people out of the loop. You know, there's a lot of fine minds out there that might be able to help them with this problem if they knew about it. You know, a lot of scientists and stuff that per- perhaps are just buying the party line that UFOs are nothing. They're not even there. And uh, until, you know, everyone has a shot at this, a shot at solving this problem, I, I think you're right. I think they're making a huge mistake by not telling people about it. Bill, in your opinion, what is the most compelling evidence that UFOs are real? Well, that, that's a hard question in the sense of all the cases I've investigated, but I think that probably the most compelling evidence are, in fact, the physical evidence cases. Um, I mean, I've worked on a lot of them over the years. Uh, I think that um, I, I would probably say the case that I worked on that really impressed me the most was a case in Casino Park in New York City where a UFO landed right in the middle of the park. It was seen by people that uh, were on a road that was yet just a half mile away from the Long Island Expressway. So thousands of people saw it. It left a crop circle behind. It hit a tree. The tree started to die just on one side. 
uh, people living around the park saw it. You know, things like that really impressed me because these are big events. And they're hard to cover up, and that, in fact, did make the news. It made the uh, worldwide news because, uh, again, UFOs do the same thing in New York they do in other places. Now, uh, some, oh, I think of just a few days later in Varanes, Russia, the exact same thing happened. A UFO landed. It left some strange material behind, created a crop circle, hit a tree. The tree died just on one side, was living on the other, except in that case, aliens came out as well, and people saw that. So, you know, there's commonality, and the fact that it did this thing within a space a few days really impressed a lot of people, and that's true. Commonality and physical evidence are the things that impress people about UFO cases. What about the Phoenix Lights, Bill? Well, you know, the Phoenix Lights are interesting. I have my own take on them because... I was driving into Phoenix from Flagstaff on the day of the Phoenix Lights event. Uh, in Mar- I believe it was March 14, 1997. I was speaking in Phoenix that night, and one of the things I noticed was uh, when we started to hear about them on the radio, all of a sudden I was driving down I-17, and you just saw all these police clearing the road. I mean, we had to pull over to the side of the road, just literally clearing it, and then these military convoys heading to Phoenix at like 60 or 70 miles an hour. Now, I've seen National Guard convoys. I've seen military convoys. I have never in all my travels, and I've left a lot of tire tracks on roads in the USA and Canada and other places, and I've never seen anything like that in my life where just, you know, it was like an emergency. They just had to get into Phoenix. Well, stand by. I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Bill Nell's our special guest, www.ufoguy.com. When we come back, Bill and I will be talking about the Phoenix Lights right here live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Your blood sugar level is a serious matter. Get some help from Enhancelin the natural dietary supplement that promotes balanced blood sugar levels. Here's what people are saying about Enhancelin. Enhancelin does balance out my blood sugars, so I don't go through any highs or lows. It has given me a lot of energy. I just feel great. Take one capsule before meals. It's that easy. Enhancelin reduces the absorption of sugar through the intestines. It's the natural way to reduce the amount of sugar getting into your body. I think anybody who's going through diabetes, too, should really take the Enhancelin. It works. It actually works. The Enhancelin, I can smile again. For help managing your blood sugar, call now to order Enhancelin. 1-800-480-5242. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. So call 1-800-480-5242. Call today and receive a free 30-day supply with your order. Call 1-800-480-5242. That's 1-800-480-5242. Amethyst works with your guides, angels, and spirit animals to assist you in catalyzing your inner healer, clearing your psychic and spiritual debris, integrating your lost soul parts, illuminating your journey, energizing your spirit, opening your psychic senses, exercising your multidimensional gifts, activating your purpose, empowering your soul, validating your experiences, navigating life's transitions, guiding your process, awakening your spiritual essence, balancing your energies, tapping into the creative flow, realizing your dreams, visioning your destiny, dreaming your world into being, being who you really are. Amethyst is an Exxon iPod partner and can be visited online at www.answersfromyourangels.com or from your Exxon iPod by touching the Angels widget on the main screen. Amethyst. 
I'm Rob McConnell, and welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Today on the X-Zone, are people really being abducted by aliens? Are people really being abducted by aliens? Well, if you were to ask nine-year-old Ryan from Port Colborne, Ontario, he would show you the marks on his hands and tell you about the night he was teleported from his bedroom into a hovering UFO over his home and about the experiments the aliens conducted on him. Dr. Roger Lear, a medical doctor in California, has extracted 11 implants from people in Canada and the United States who have only one thing in common. They have all had encounters with UFOs. 70% of all Americans believe they have seen a UFO. 40% of them believe they have been abducted. Maybe E.T. never went home. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Belinda, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the Exxon. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Bill Nell is our special guest. He is a paranormal researcher with almost 40 years of experience. And, Bill, before we went to the uh, news at the bottom of the hour, you were just telling us how you were driving into Phoenix the night of the Phoenix uh, lights and uh, how the police were opening up the road, clearing it for the military. Um, what did this mean to you, Bill? Well, it told me that something definitely strange was happening in town. Like I said, I've never seen that in all the time that I've been driving. You know, 20 years doing 100, 250 seminars a year in, you know, most American states and just about all the provinces of Canada. I mean, you know, um, I've never seen anything like it. And, of course, that evening I was speaking on UFOs in Phoenix. Uh, we were packed out, needless to say. And i got to tell you, people were upset, they were angry, and they were frightened because, you know, their government let them down. Uh, a lot of people said they saw a huge triangular-shaped object. In fact, I really heard very little about the actual lights or alleged military flares that everybody focuses on. 
a lot of people just saw this huge triangle and uh, triangular lights. And, you know, um, a lot of people called Luke Air Force Base, and they were told, well, we're not investigating that anymore. And they called the police, and the police said, well, we don't, you know, we don't really know what to make about it. And, of course, then the next day, the governor, you know, he talked about it, Governor Symington, and uh, eventually made fun of it in a press mm-hmm. conference. But yet, 10 years down the line in 2007, he said, you know, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that because I saw the object, too, and it was a big triangle was something different, and I was wrong about it. I now believe it was some sort of alien spacecraft. So, you know, uh, 10 years changes a lot of things, but, you know, that was a golden opportunity for at least local officials uh, to give UFOs a fair hearing and to tell people what was going on, and they didn't, and the result was uh, panic. Brandy, can you check your MSN, please, your AOL? one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Bill Nell is our special guest. Uh, Bill, even President Kennedy and Walter Cronkite had UFO sightings. Well, I can tell you this. Um, I'll talk a little bit about Walter Cronkite. Uh, in 1971, I had started a UFO club in my high school, which... Uh, uh, due to circumstances at that time, made the national news. Uh, Walter Cronkite was working on a uh, national special for CBS News on UFOs, and myself and many others were invited to New York City to meet him in order to be considered for a part in the special. He was very interested in a young person's perspective, and I was just a you know, high school teenager at that time. And um, when I met him, he was very interested in my dad because my dad had been a retired Air Force general, and he had uh, worked on a report with General MacArthur involving Foo Fighters or UFOs seen during World War II. And after I got done telling him, you know, all my stories that I had heard about it, uh, he said, I've got a UFO story of my own. He said, did you know, when I was a reporter in the 1950s, I went out to a Pacific Atoll, and I witnessed a missile test. And he said, basically, uh, we were, you know, on this little atoll, and the missile was about to take off. There were uh, various military police walking around with dogs. And just as the thing was taking off, and we're all standing next to this blockhouse watching it, he said there might have been 20 reporters there, including himself. A huge disc, a classic flying saucer, appeared right over the site and shot the missile with a blue beam. It also shot one of the guards and one of the guard dogs with the blue beam. So the guard stood completely still like he was frozen. The guard dog was caught in mid-jump. And ultimately, uh, the missile probably only made it about 50 feet above the ground by the time the blue beam hit it. Uh, Eventually, the and this all happened in a matter of seconds, you know, as he's telling it to me, that's what he said. Mm -hmm. He said that the blue beam let go of the missile, and then the missile suddenly exploded. Now, at that point, um, the military escorted all the reporters down into the blockhouse, left them in there for about 30 minutes until this Air Force colonel shows up. He brings them on out and says, look, guys, what happened was a test. We wanted, we, we, it wasn't, wasn't a real UFO. We just wanted to judge how the media would react if they saw a UFO uh, have a military confrontation. And, of course, everybody started laughing because they knew darn well that we didn't have the technology to do what everyone witnessed, and they knew this was no test. It was very obvious during the event that the Air Force was completely out of control and that the UFO, in fact, was completely in control. And, you know, thinking back on him telling me the story now, uh, it's funny how in the last few weeks we've had people like Bob Hastings and others who've uh, really studied this matter of the military and UFOs talk about how that uh, they've tried to change aliens, have tried to change the missile codes, they've tried to have some sort of interaction with the American military. And even today a watchdog group claims that uh, missile codes in certain Air Force bases in the United States have recently been compromised with no explanation for that. Gee, I wonder why that happened. 
What about President Kennedy's sighting? Well, you know, um, I heard the story from Dr. Michael Wolf, who uh, was a friend of mine for several years before he died. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Wolf was a government scientist. He had worked uh, with the government on uh, UFOs and UFO technology. But he was also someone who married uh, Sarah, who was one of the Kennedys. And his wife Sarah was a Kennedy, so they would spend time at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport during, um, you know, summer holidays. And on this, this particular occasion, Wolf was uh, sick in bed. He had a bad cold. But Sarah went out on the boat along with many others. Uh, they went out on a motorboating with uh, President Kennedy. And apparently during this event, a huge UFO Again, a classic kind of egg-shaped or disc-shaped UFO suddenly appeared. Of course, the Secret Service and the boats surrounding them went completely berserk. They didn't know what to do. Uh, the thing only stayed around a short period of time. But after it left, uh, Kennedy went right back to the pier, and he immediately told everybody, he said, Look, um, nobody talk about this. You know, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I don't want anyone talking about it. But uh, she had to go in and tell, you know, Dr. Wolf what happened, and, of course, he was very impressed by it. And that was, uh, you know, a firsthand thing in the sense of uh, his wife actually seeing the UFO and seeing Kennedy seeing it and seeing the, you know, uh, reaction of the, of the Secret Service to it. So, you know, once again, we, we've had a number of presidents who've seen UFOs, but, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan and others, but that was probably one of the more spectacular signs I've ever heard of. When it comes to... UFO crashes, how many crashes have there been, and how many of these discs have actually been recovered by the military? Well, you know, my father didn't talk about it much because it was hard to get information about UFOs from him, but I got the impression there were a number of crashes, and I got the impression that they probably began sometime in the 1930s, uh, not necessarily in America, but perhaps in other countries that were friendly to America. For example, I know that in at least one case there was a crash in Sweden uh, where the uh, battleship Alabama, which is uh, now on display in, the, in fact, the state of Alabama, had brought back a huge disc-shaped object uh, covered by a tarpaulin on its, on its deck. Now, it did that um, sometime uh, just, around, uh, just, just shortly after World War II. Now, that disc allegedly crashed many years before, but that was the first opportunity we had to get it. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of crashes, and I think it's given the government, or the United States government at least, and potentially others, the chance to examine some of the alien hardware and try and figure out how, how it works. As far as how much success they've actually had with that, I don't know. What's your take on Roswell? Well, you know, I, I've been to Roswell a number of times over the years. I started going there at a time before it really became famous and a lot of people knew about it. In fact, the first time I asked, uh, I went to Roswell. It's a hard place to find, and when I got there, I was asking uh, one of the police officers in town, you know, how I might find the famous UFO crash site. He said, oh, that wasn't nothing. He said, why don't you take this road straight out of town and forget about it? I'm like, boy, well, <laughs> that, that pretty much tells you the attitude. And that was pretty much the attitude. I mean, I remember going to the Chamber of Commerce, and they gave me this little folder they had, which had about one paragraph about the Roswell crash, which basically said one time somebody thought a UFO crashed around here, but it really didn't. It was a weather balloon, you know, and so on and so forth. Of course, the attitude's changed today. But one of the things that impressed me about Roswell was the caliber of the witnesses. You had people like Walter Halt, the information officer, who said he was ordered to put out a press release uh, saying that there was indeed a UFO crash. You know, Glenn Dennis, who was the, um, worked at one of the local funeral parlors, had a contract with the uh, government to provide funeral services and was asked to, prov to find all the small child side 
energized coffins he could and bring them out to the base. You know, one of the things that, that probably impressed me more than anything else was the level of the witnesses. And then, of course, in 97, we had uh, 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 Corso, a retired Major Corso, come out, Phil, Philip Corso, and talk about how that uh, he was at the base the day after Roswell, where some of the materials were brought in and subsequently got involved in the uh, reverse engineering of some of the materials from Roswell. So you got to remember, these aren't just the average people. I mean, there are average people. You know, there's uh, people that were airmen or just happened to be in the area at the time that could tell you stories about Roswell. But we're talking about high-ranking, retired United States military officers that really have a reputation on the line to lose. And they're saying that, you know what, there was a crash of an alien spaceship, and aliens were recovered from the crash. These were not children. These were not some kind of experimental aircraft. You know, they were not weather balloons or radar-absorbing uh, radar things. This was something different. So that, that really impressed me. And I think that Roswell did, in fact, involve at least one or more potentially um, alien objects that were brought down because of the experimentation of a new type of radar. Now, uh, Howard Hughes was, uh, was present at a uh, UFO crash site, wasn't he, in the summer of 47? Well, this, this is a really interesting story. I actually heard this from... Um, uh, the daughter of a person who worked with Howard Hughes on the famous Spruce Goose, the huge uh, wooden-framed aircraft, mm -hmm. which eventually became the prototype for the C-130. And uh, what Howard Hughes wanted to do, he wanted to prove that a huge aircraft could, in fact, fly and carry tons of uh, troops and, you know, equipment and all kinds of stuff. And he ultimately did. He spent the summer, interestingly enough, of 1947 uh, getting, this, uh, getting this aircraft ready for the flight. And during the process of doing that, one of the people that worked on it with him was um, this retired teacher's father. And she told me this story uh, only recently. Um, I know she is who she is because she provided me with quite a bit of information, photos of her dad with Howard Hughes, and that was obvious he'd worked on the Spruce Goose. But he said that Hughes came back from Washington. You might remember that at that time uh, the uh, Senate called him on the carpet they had all these hearings because they said he had wasted money and, uh, you know, done this and that. It was all political, but uh, he got through it. And when he came back, he said, you know, while I was in Washington, I was approached by these people that uh, wanted me to work on something, wanted me to figure it out. I wanted to know if you'd have interest in that. So he asked uh, this gal's father if he would have interest in working on the project. He said, well, what is it? He said, well, I was basically taken to this air base. He didn't say where. He said, I was shown this object which appeared to be some sort of a disc-shaped object. And um, in the process of that, I was also shown the pilots of this craft. He didn't say they were aliens, but he said they appeared small and not to be human. And uh, it was interesting because after the whole thing settled down, he claimed that um, he wasn't going to bother with the project because it was too much trouble. But I heard from another witness who later said that, uh, in fact, he worked for Howard Hughes. He had proof that he did. And that Howard Hughes actually was working on an anti-gravity drive from one of these aircraft. So he had two separate independent witnesses that said that, you have, that uh, Howard Hughes not only viewed a crashed UFO, which could have been the Roswell one. It could have been one from some other crash, Aztec or somewhere else. But he apparently did view a crashed UFO in possession of the United States government, uh, the bodies of aliens, and apparently had some sort of um, involvement in trying to figure out how the thing worked. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five toll free. Bill Nellis, our special guest. His website is www.ufoguy.com. Bill, when you're out uh, talking to students or if you're talking to groups, what is the most common question that you get asked? 
Well, I think people uh, ask me more than anything else, uh, you know, why are they visiting here? Why do they come here to see us? And I always tell people, you know, that, that's the million-dollar question. First of all, you'd have to figure out who they are. You know, there appears to be several different type of groups of aliens that are coming here, and uh, some may be coming here because they're interested in us, because we're curious beings. I mean, we like to go to other plants and find out what's there. Others may be coming out of necessity. You know, one of the stories about abductions is that uh, they're doing the abductions to uh, – reestablish or firm up their own DNA that sometimes, uh, you know, babies are born or hybrids are born. I worked on a number of cases where women uh, claimed that there's no way they could have gotten pregnant, but they got pregnant, and when they did, uh, the fetuses were removed from them uh, from one to three months after uh, they became pregnant. So, you know, that may be another reason why they're coming here. Um, you know, another reason could simply be because of some of the resources we have. You know, UFOs are seen over water a lot. I remember in 1969, I read a Rudder magazine article. Rudder's a boating magazine. All right, stand by, really Bill. Has... We've got to take our final break for this hour. Bill Nell is sure. our special guest, www.ufoguy.com. In the next hour, Major Kevin Randall joins us talking about Roswell and the MJ-12. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon Live and Around the World on the Talkstar Radio Network. If you've ever wondered about past lives or even life between lives, and you think the whole idea is a little strange, you're not alone. Dr. Georgina Cannon, author of the books Return, Past Life Regression, and You, and her latest book, Discovering the Interlife, writes her books to remove the woo-woo from these regression protocols and to show the therapeutic benefit and opportunities that happen with these journeys. Discovering the Interlife is the one book you'll need as you continue on your life journey. As Shirley MacLaine said about the book, This is a very, very powerful work. So be kind to yourself and find out more about Discovering the Interlife at www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. That's www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. You'll be glad you did. To contact Dr. Georgina Cannon at the Ontario Hypnosis Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit www.ontariohypnosiscenter.com. What's new? What's a cat? The cat is finally out of the bag. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. This is the no copycat book that gives you the X Factor in personable insight and experience to understanding cat behavior and solving problems from the cat's point of view. Learn the secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed by Carolyn Bartz that will take the relationship with your cat up a notch and to the next level. Discover why cat owners live longer, healthier lives. Medical facts revealed and why your cat can't help it. Digital photos to guide you in cat care. Safety tips. Historical and myth gems, and a fun and lightning quiz. The perfect gift for smart cat owners and cat lovers. If you love your cat, take the journey now. Don't wait. To order your copy of Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed, visit www.secretsofcatattituderevealed.com. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. The perfect gift. Bill Nelson, our special guest, uh, www.ufoguy.com. Let's go to our phones. Sharon, welcome to the Exxon. Oh, hello. Yeah, I'm full of questions, uh, Mr. Nell, or Dr. Nell. Uh, first of all, do you think these uh, 
alien beings. I, I saw Edgar Mitchell or heard Edgar Mitchell in the Situation Room tonight saying about how he had seen one. It rather frightened me, um, although I have had a, a weird experience once. But what is, you know, I was going to ask you the purpose. Do you think because of all these recent shows and everything that we are moving closer to some kind of a disclosure? I would like to think so, but I'm afraid that it's right probably to? not true. Um, I think that what we've seen is we've seen people like Mitchell come forward and talk about UFOs. But overall, uh, you know, of course, he's someone who is a retired astronaut, retired Navy captain. But um, I seriously doubt that you'll see anyone present in the government come forward because they're going to have to tell people in the United States and the world that they have hidden the truth about UFOs, you know, potentially for 50 to 80 years. Do you, and and uh, that's going to be a tough, you know, it's going to be a tough thing to admit. Do you think they might be from another dimension rather than another planet? I think they travel dimensionally. I think that Jacques Vallée had it right years ago when he wrote about that. Yes. I think that they are able to arrive and suddenly vanish and appear uh, because they are able to use time-space portals. Well, certainly they must have a purpose for being here. And what do you think it is? And don't you think they will ultimately be overtly, like I mean, so all the world can see it on television? Well, I think they've made some pretty uh, outrageous, you know, moves in sense of appearing over major cities, yeah. especially in the last year and other places. But, you know, the news media never met a government press release they didn't like. So every time they make an appearance, you know, but the evidence, government just says, well, I mean, they're not really, they're something else, you know. They're, they're planes on maneuvers or they're swamp gas or they're weather balloons. They always have some explanation for them. Well, I have seen a, a craft up close and personal once in my life. I was with my aunt, and it was in a city in Montreal in 1987. Wow. But um, I'm just wondering if I just get the feeling that something is getting closer. I just have an, an inner sort of feeling that why don't they just why don't they just land? land? Why don't they just land they, on you know, Parliament they, they Hill? They do land, and they land in big cities, and then we ignore them. You know, like I no, said, I mean, but I mean just... in a type of a way that cannot be ignored with the media around it. Why don't they? Well, you why know, don't... I think we're assuming they're humans and act like us, but maybe that's not part of their agenda, or well, maybe it's just not in their emotional is. makeup. You know, who knows? <laughs> All right, Sharon, thanks very much for joining us tonight. We have to go. Bill, it's been a great pleasure. I hope that we have the uh, pleasure of having you back on in the near future because we still have so much to go through. Thanks, Rob. Bill Nell, thanks very much for joining us tonight. www.ufoguy.com. My take on Edgar Mitchell is I, I think that Mitchell is a little out to lunch because he's the only astronaut who's come forward and said, I saw aliens on the moon. He sells a lot of books. He goes to a lot of speaking engagements. I don't know. I, I, you know he's got his own institute, so he's got to make he's got to make a lot of scene in order to make a lot of cash. I don't buy Edgar Mitchell's story one bit. Neil Armstrong came out and said that. I'm telling you, I'd have second thoughts. But Edgar Mitchell, sorry, don't buy it. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past. Dr. Kevin Randall will be joining me. We're going to be talking about Roswell and the MJ-12 and much more. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon Live and Around the World on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <laughs> 